So this is our new series uh, called The Unhurried Life. And uh, I'm really excited about this series. This series is going to be um, starting today, obviously, and it's going to run throughout June and the beginning of July. As I said before, we're doing this series on the unhurried life, and I think it's really uh, the right time for us to do it as a church. But also, uh, as others might hear in, it's the perfect time in our day in, in England to do it as well. So the strap line for this series is taking time to enjoy life like Jesus. And there's these three elements. Uh, taking time, intentionally um, uh, choosing uh, to take time um, to enjoy life, that we want to have an enjoyable life. We don't want to just survive. We don't just want to exist. We don't just want to uh, just go through life, but we want to enjoy life. And the key thing, which it all hangs on, is this like Jesus. That actually we want to do it like Jesus. We don't want to enjoy life like the world enjoys life or what we maybe think enjoying life looks like. But we want to enjoy life like Jesus because if we enjoy it like Jesus. We would know that is life to the fullness, that we would have life in all its abundance. So we're doing this series on the unhurried life. And I just want to begin, if this is okay, church, is just by sharing uh, my hopes and objectives for this series, The Unhurried Life. And I'm just going to do a few minute introduction and then we're going to uh, kick off on the first one for about 10 minutes. But the, the, my hopes and my objectives are these. That firstly, uh, we as those who are providing the teaching over the next six weeks uh, will provide some spiritual teaching into unhurried life. Simple as that. We will provide spiritual teaching into an unhurried life. Uh, the second one, it will be relevant. It will be life-changing with practical examples. It will be relevant, life-changing with practical examples. Number three is that, that we would know the truth, this truthful fact, that Jesus was never in a hurry, but he was on his father's work. We as a church would know the truth that Jesus was never in a hurry, but on his father's work. And I think with this one is that as we go throughout the weeks, we look at stories from Jesus, is that we're going to come to the conclusion that Jesus was never in a hurry, but he was still on a mission. That we can hold these two things, they're not tensions, because we can enjoy life, not be in a hurry, but still on the mission of God. Still doing the father's work, I mean father, father God. The fourth one is that the Holy Spirit uh, will bring us into greater freedom. The Holy Spirit will bring us into greater freedom. My prayer is that actually as we uh, listen on a Sunday, as we digest them throughout the week in life groups, uh, throughout uh, talking to one another, as we think about it, as we read things, is that actually the Holy Spirit will be working in our lives to bring us into this greater freedom. And fifthly, is that the last one, which is the strap line, we will take time to enjoy life like Jesus. We will all take time to enjoy life like Jesus. Those are the five objectives for this sermon series. And I wanted to tell you those because that is way, the way we are heading. I want to start off with this scripture. And it's from Matthew chapter 11. And uh, many of us 
will uh, know this scripture and many of us, um, many of us will know uh, this scripture. And it says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I love this amazing passage. These words of Jesus. They are liberating, liberating words and words of freedom. But I love the message translation. It says this on the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. See, I love this. Watch how I do it. You've got you to learn from Jesus. You've got to be like Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So this is the words of Jesus here. And, and he is obviously speaking about actually in him we find true rest. That he doesn't lay anything on us that is heavy or ill-fitting. Uh, that is too heavy and too weighted. See, we know, as that video teaser said to us earlier, that time is precious. Time is valuable. Time is a blessing from God. But how often in our lives we feel that we are in a hurry, that we are rushing around. We get up in the morning and we quickly go for a shower, get changed, we eat our breakfast, we drive, uh, whilst keeping to the speed limit, we drive quickly to work, and we get to work, and then we fit our days as much work we can do, and then we stay on a bit later, because we sometimes feel that we have to, to get more work done, we get home, eat quickly, and then uh, we're rushing around, maybe go out, and then we go to bed absolutely tired, and then we do that on repeat again, again, and again. And that is our lives. And we're racing around. We are rushed. We're in a hurry. And we wonder why that in our country, in this time, that there is lots of people that they feel stressed. They feel pressured. They feel burdened. Uh, and one of the reasons why we have uh, such high mental health is because of this as well. And that's one of the reasons. Is because we are doing way too much. And we become preoccupied to experience the life that Jesus offers. We sleep less, do more. We constantly feel tired and have low-grade anxiety. Dallas Willard, who is a who, uh, who wrote a, a book uh, on these things about this, he says, the great enemy of spiritual life of our day is hurry. 
to as we go throughout this series over the next six weeks, we're going to see that Jesus, uh, he had time to talk to people. He had time to sleep. He had time to rest. He had time to eat meals and enjoy life. He had time for interruptions in his life. And Jesus had a great life. This morning, I want to speak to us upon the subject of a new rhythm. So if you're writing down notes, write down a new rhythm. See, every one of us are human beings, right? We are a human being. If you're not a human being, what are you? Let's do that. What are you? But we are, we are created with rhythms and for rhythms. Let's just take, unpack this for a moment. Let's think about our heartbeat. Our heartbeat is beating to a rhythm. How about our sleeping? We, we sleep at night and we wake up and do life stuff in the day. We, we, at night time, we let our bodies rest and recuperate and, and get ready for a new day so we can do different things and work and uh, enjoy stuff in the day. You know, I, I, I've never really done night shifts, um, but the people I know have done night shifts, they say it affects your body in a powerful way. And some people can't, they, they need to do night shifts, but however, you know, it, 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 you were not built to do work at night and sleep in the day. You were built to do work in the day and sleep at night. There's a rhythm there. Let's think about eating, breakfast, lunch and dinner. A rhythm goes across there. Breathing, as we breathe air in and breathe air out, there's a rhythm. Our skin, you might not know this in your homes today, but every seven years, you get a new skin. I'm not talking about that you wake up one morning, you've got a fresh new skin. But in the seven-year process, or whatever you want to call it, uh, your dead skin falls, uh, falls away. And by seven years, there's a, in many ways, a new physical skin. You've got a new skin. Crazy, right? But there's a, there's a, there's a rhythm to that. There's something in every single one of us, in our very being, Something that you cannot control that flows to a rhythm. See, we are built for rhythms. We are built for rhythms. But this morning, I want to ask you this question. And the question is this. Does your life have a rhythm? Does your life have a rhythm? It's a very simple but a life-changing question. Does your life have a rhythm? Or is it out of sync? Is it out of sync? See, have you ever met those really gifted, talented people that can perfectly, you know, clap, nod their heads, tap their feet, do a bit of a dance. I'm not going to do fully dancing on this. And they, they, they can do it, you know, perfectly out of sync. You know, you're thinking of someone right now, and don't think of me, don't think of me, but you're thinking of someone right now uh, who, who that they, they just clap out of sync. They're constantly clapping out of sync. You know, great music comes on and 
there's always someone who's clapping out of sync loudly and it ruins it. It ruins the music. But God doesn't want our lives to be out of sync. He wants our lives to be in a rhythm. God made us for us to have a rhythm to our lives. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And this is Solomon speaking here. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first nine verses, it talks about there is a season for everything. And Solomon says there's a season to, to be born, a season to die, a season for laughter, a season for um, grieving, a season to sow, a season to pluck, a season for peace, a season for love, a season to speak and a season to be silenced. And it goes through this into up to verse 9. And then this is what verse 9 says. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning up to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better than better for them than to be joyful and to do good and good as live as long as they live. Verse 13, lastly. Also that everyone should eat and drink, take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. See, Solomon was a wise man. Uh, we know that people used to travel thousands of miles to go and speak to Solomon to get wisdom. See, we, most of us probably don't do this in our day. We don't go to our grandfathers or great-grandfathers or grandmothers and great-grandmothers and say, I've got this situation on, can you give me a bit of wisdom? But in the day of Solomon, people would want wisdom because wisdom helped them to make good decisions, good choices, and therefore they would have a better life for it. So people would travel thousands of miles to see Solomon, who was a man of great wisdom, to get his wisdom. And this is what he says. There's a season for everything, Ecclesiastes 3, the first nine verses. And then he says, what good does work have? He's asking this question. What is the advantage of work? What is the value of our work? And Solomon says that it's good to be busy doing the work of God. It's good to be busy doing the work God has given us. It's good to be busy doing the work God has given you. If we think about uh, the creation story, right at the beginning of the time we've got seven days. And for six days God works, one day he rests. But the interesting thing about the creation story, he doesn't, uh, there is a rhythm to it because he doesn't say, I'm going to create the, the plants and then I'm going to create some animals and then I'm going to go back to the plants the next day. I'm going to go, then I'm going to go back to the sea. You know, there isn't, it isn't like, it isn't like, there's not like a confusion. It's not like it's disordered. There is an order. There is a rhythm to the creation story. That actually when he goes, he says, I oh, know I've made the plants and it is good. I've, I've made this and it's good. 
I've made the animals, it's good, and then he gets to the end, and we know that he says it's very good. See, there's a rhythm, not a disorder. It's not out of sync in the creation story, but there is a rhythm. And Solomon would say very similar that we should have a rhythm to our lives. See, we can read Ecclesiastes and we think, you know, there's a time for this, a time for that, a time for this. And we see it as something like over years. Like, oh no, there's a time for to be doing this over five years. And then the next five years is this. We see big seasons in our life. But I think it means that, but it means more than that. It means there are seasons and times in our days and our weeks and our year. That there's a time for this, there's a rhythm in it. There's a rhythm that we can have in our day and in our week and in our year. See, for most of us, if this is in the practical level, uh, when we're thinking about a new rhythm, uh, we, you know, we think about like, actually, well, I've got to, I'm going to work, I'm going to rest, I'm going to, you know, do some social activities, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to walk, I'm going to enjoy some time with family, with friends, and we start to pile some stuff into our day or our week or or the month, and um, and usually, not always, but the biggest thing we say is, I've got to work. That is the first thing, because I need to earn money, I need to do my paid work, and, and according to Solomon, working is good, doing God's work, what he's called you to serve in is good, so that is good, but what if it's too big? What if it's a too big thing in our life? Because to have a rhythm, you've got to have a balanced life. See, see, I've met a few people that would that 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 they would say, "Well, I have to work forty something, fifty hours, forty hours. I have to do this job, uh, although it's given me a great stress in my life. Uh, a great, it's a great pressure because I need to pay for my big mortgage. Uh, I need to pay for my expensive cars. I want to go on holiday at least once a year." So, so, so your workplace is sustaining your lifestyle. It's the choices you want to have, the life that you want to have. See, see that, that means you'll probably have an out-of-sync life, but you could choose to have a life of rhythm if you said, like, actually, I want to do less. Like, I like to think of it like this. It's about like having a balanced diet. A rhythm life is about like having a balanced diet. See, if you were going to go out for a curry, which we can't do right now, but if you were going to go out for a curry and you ordered a curry and uh, the waiter comes along and he says, well, I bought you your curry and he brings you just rice. You would say to the waiter, where is my chicken? Where's my lamb? Where's my sauce? Where is the other bits of my food? Where's the poppadoms, the naan bread? Where's the mango chutney or whatever you have? You would, you would say that to the waiter because it's not balanced. It's not the full picture. And that is the same for our lives when it comes to rhythm. We've got to have a good rhythm, a good balance, because otherwise it's going to be bad for us. We can't just survive on rice. We weren't built to survive on just rice. So, you know, potentially 
you know, your, your big thing is working or exercise or actually, you know, I go out every evening and play badminton or football. What is that having a rhythm life? Look, I'm saying these things. So I want to get you to think about your rhythm, your day, your week and your month that you're having a good rhythm, a balanced thing. And this is not against work because Solomon said it's good to be doing God's uh, work. It's good to be doing what God has given us to work. But is it a sacrifice? I want to give you a story. And this is a story from someone from our church and uh, actually, this person doesn't know I'm about to tell this story, Jamie. But uh, about five-ish years ago, I think it was, uh, something big happened in Jamie's life. And before this, uh, Jamie worked five days a week. He did evening classes uh, as well, on top of his full-time work. And uh, after something big happened in his life, he chose to change the rhythm of his life. He chose to say, I'm going to go back four days a week. And for the other day, which was a Friday, I'm going to spend more time with my family. And I'm going to give time to the church. And because of that, he potentially hasn't gone on some holidays maybe he would like to go on. Because of that, maybe he would have a bigger house. Because of that, maybe uh, he isn't doing other things. But because of that decision... He has a better rhythm, I believe. He has a better rhythm. He, he can enjoy life like Jesus. He's working on who he is in God. You know, there's better things out there. And I take my hat off and I honour you, Jamie, uh, for making that decision to have a better rhythm in your life. And that is a practical example of someone saying, well, actually, I don't need to do this because it, I, I've got other things. I, I'm, I'm living in joy. I want to enjoy life like Jesus. I want to ask you that question. Does your life have a rhythm? See, rhythms are good for our physical. They're good for our emotional, our mental, and they're good for our soul, our spiritual state. See, rhythms are good for us. Look at your year that's just gone past. I would say the last few months, but the last few months have been very different, right, church? Look at your year gone past and think about the rhythms do you have. You're doing too much work. You're doing too much football, maybe. You're watching football every night. You, you know, maybe you spend time with your family or, or spend time reading, whatever. Rhythms are good. Too much exercise. And I want to finish with this point. And thank you for your patience today with all the problems with technology. I want to finish with this point. Does your rhythm in your life make your soul flourish? Does your rhythm in your life make your soul flourish? Does it make it grow? Does it make your uh, soul better? Is your soul getting stronger? There's this fantastic passage in 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy uh, says this. It says, Rather, Train yourself for godliness. 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, by the way. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Godliness is a value in every way, 
as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. See, this is an amazing passage because it says physical um, training is some value. And by the way, in those days, you think about Paul, he's always using sporting analogies. Sport was massive, just as big as our day. Sport was massive in their day. Different kinds of sport, but sport and training was massive because Paul would always use analogies of sport in the Bible. And he says, like, training is good value, but better what is good, uh, what, you, know, uh, you know, good is not a word, is it? But what is better value is godliness because it is good for the present day and the life to come. It's good for that. See, if you thought about this, your soul lasts forever. Your soul lasts forever. You know, when we die, our physical bodies will go. And that is a good thing for all of us. It is a good thing for all of us because our bodies are decaying and they're, you know, they're getting old. That is a good thing for us. We get new bodies, but our soul lasts forever. And that's why Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says that actually godliness, working on your soul is good for today and the life to come. So this question is, does your rhythms in your life make your soul flourish so it will be good for your present day and your life to come? And I want to leave you with that point. Does your rhythms in your life make your soul flourish?